episode 11 of Utah in the Weeds. We have a very special guest today, the Cole Fulmer. How do you pronounce your last name? Fulmer, right? Fulmer, yeah, correct. Yeah, from saltbakedcity.com. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you kind of tell the listeners what this website is. I think most people can guess what it's related, but like... Well, tell us about the project because I, I think the project is slightly different than you imagined it in the beginning. Things evolved, yes. Okay, so so Cole, just give us a rundown of Salt Baked City. Well, you know, to, to start from the beginning, you know, late last summer... Um, I got hooked up with the guys at Moonlight Garden Supply, uh, Russ and Cody, who who run the hydro store, really the only hydro store in Utah, down on State Street, across from uh, the Salt Lake Community College. But long story short, doing some PR work for them and getting to know the hemp growers that they cater to and the various home growers that come through their shop that are, you know, growing in their backyards or in gorilla tents and finding there was a lot of confusion with Proposition 2, um, whether it existed or whether, you know, it, it got voted out or in backdoor sessions, you know, got eliminated. A lot of people just didn't know. And being a journalist, I was a little savvy to why. And it, in my opinion, you know, local, local media just wasn't covering the subject and keeping people informed about the new laws that were taking effect, how to get your medical cards, um, who you who could see like Tim to go get those cards and credentials started. And it was sad that all this was coming to light inside the local grocery store. And talking with some friends of mine, I was like, you know, we, we need to have a magazine to help spur this in the right direction and at least educate people on how to get their medical cards and, again, what it entails. But again, being a journalist, I, I wanted it to go a little bit further. So Salt Lake City was was the original thought, and we were going to cater to medical cannabis, hemp, CBD here locally, and give these shop owners and growers a voice and a platform to speak from and get the news out there that they, they care about. But then also, being a journalist again, we wanted to cast that net a little bit further and cover the green scene news which in my opinion is bringing back community journalism where at a time I feel it's really lacking. So again, medical cannabis is our focus. Hemp CBD again falls underneath that as well, but community journalism. So we'll be talking about prop two, but that doesn't mean we won't be talking about prop three. We've just started to get going. Originally we wanted to have a print magazine come out prior to 420 and that was going to be our soft release before Utah Can. And we were going to let people know that we're attending the Utah Can Expo, that we existed. And we were going to continue printing out a monthly magazine. Weeks before we, or really just days before we pulled the trigger on that corona hit. And I'm glad that the timing happened the way that it did. Because if it was a few days later, I probably would have gone to print. And all that money would have been lost. There would have been nowhere to you know drop off these 10,000 magazines we were originally going to print. So my small team and I, we collaborated and decided that maybe right now we should just start with the website and try to entertain people through Corona and social distancing. And right now, even at the Utah 
Department of Health, they have no time to focus on cannabis. All hands are on deck for coronavirus. And that applies for media as well. So I hope that the past month that we have been in operation, we we have been enlightening people to what is going on in medical cannabis in Utah. But uh, again, it's an evolving process. And we hope when the world does turn back on, we we can dish out a print issue and get out there. But it's been hard because without the farmers markets, without concerts, without things going on, it's been hard to spread the word. And uh, that's why it excites me to be on here talking with you guys, because we can't buy our audience. We can't promote anything on Facebook because we're cannabis related. So everything we do is word of mouth. A month ago, when we started dishing out articles from our website around 420, we had maybe 400 to 1,000 people following us. And now that we're approaching the end of May, we've got close to 16 to 20,000 people following us here in the state. Not following us, but people that are getting getting salt-baked in front of their eyes and reading some of these articles, which is exciting because we get to see it grow every day, even though we're shut in our our living rooms <laughs> for the most part. I remember getting your phone call. I mean, I was in the... I had uh, spilled coffee on my laptop and I was heading to the Apple store and you and I were talking on the phone. And this is like days before the world ended. Right. That just, uh, man, that takes me back. That was, that was rough. And it seems like a long time ago. And in reality, it's only been a few months. The last couple of months have seemed, seemed like an eternity, right? It like, it's like, oh my gosh, Groundhog Day over and over. And that's what I was going to ask you is like, it's got to be frustrating that you launched this project right at the beginning. The beginning is like right at the beginning when this virus basically hit Utah, when you needed to be out promoting it. So I'm sure it's been hard too, to get out and about and, and visit places. I mean, luckily, I guess uh, the pharmacy slash dispensaries have, uh, are, are still open. Right. We are essential now, which is is pretty crazy um, to think about because just a few months ago, we cannabis was still a pretty taboo, and it still is a taboo topic here in the state. But it's pretty amazing. And talking with JD Loritzen, our leafy lawyer, what that means being essential, you know, and being a necessity and being recognized as a medicine. You know, we've we've taken a huge huge step in the past few months, and I expect those those strides to continue. Hopefully they will. We have a lot of stuff in up at the, at the Capitol right now, waiting for Senate to vote on in the heroes act and which entails the safe banking act, which could be a conversation on its own, but that would allow cannabis businesses to be recognized, you know, as, as real businesses and treat their money that way. Um, There's a lot more into it, but that's kind of the, the layman's terms, if you want to put it that way. Now, doing Salt Baked City, Cole, have you learned anything about the cannabis industry oh that you goodness. didn't know before? Like, I'm sure you I'm sure it's opened up your eyes. Like, I know even doing this podcast, and we've only been doing this since like the end of February, March, right? Right. I've learned right. so much in just a couple of months doing this. I could, I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine how much you've learned. That's probably the the best part about it. Tell you the truth, I I was talking with my fiance the other day about how much I could potentially learn in the next year about the ins and outs of the business, the ins and outs of being a patient and watching this, this new green horizon grow, you know, right in front of me. 
And I, I don't think I'll be the same person in a year after covering Salt Lake City Green Scene News. The people I talk to, the people that are making this industry work, people like Tim, you know, that are are some of the most important cogs in the wheel to make this role here in Utah. And, you know, I, I get to be on the sidelines and watch the whole thing, you know, and that's why I wanted to be a journalist since I was a kid was if I wasn't going to be making those great stories, if I wasn't going to be the professional athlete that people were watching, I wanted to bring those stories to the people. And I get to do that now here in Utah with cannabis and it blows my mind. How did you get into this, uh, like journalism? What's your background? I wanted to be, you know, a, a journalist since I was probably in the fifth grade. The first newspaper I worked for was my middle school newspaper where I, uh, I wrote sports. I did the sports beat and a friend of mine in Little League, we, we penned a uh, comic strip together and that led into high school journalism. And I eventually applied for Indiana University. I grew up in Reno, Nevada, but Indiana was known as being a top 10 J school, journalism school. And I had some family back there and I hopped on it. You know, that's what I wanted to do. Photojournalism was my focus throughout college. And I got out of school in 2007 after receiving my degree. And it was probably the worst time in history to get into journalism. Holy cow, you've had two. So it's been a, it's been a tough one. I, uh, I left Indiana, went back home to Reno. I started working for Channel 4, NBC News, uh, yada, yada, and hated the broadcast thing, really hated it. It didn't seem like news to me at all. And, you know, that's another conversation on itself. And I wanted to get back into print. And it led me to Blackfoot, Idaho, of all places, working at the morning news. And this is back in 2000, yeah, 2000, November of 2007, actually. And, uh, I spent about five years in Idaho working from the morning news in Blackfoot to the Post Register in Idaho Falls, the Idaho State Journal in Pocatello, the Statesman in Boise a little bit. And eventually I wound up at, at the park record in Park City covering uh, the business beat as business editor up there. But yeah, my uh, my story in journalism, it, it's bounced around quite a bit, but it, it led me to you know my favorite place in the world right here on the Wasatch front. And uh, again, I, I can't believe that I, you know, one starting Salt Lake city, but again, creating this role where, you know, as a kid, I I'd be pretty stoked about what I'm doing. You know, if, if we were to have that conversation, you know, you mentioned that you have like a team that's doing the website. So you have a handful of people that are uh, contributing and writing. I know yeah. Tim's one of the writers yeah. or he's going to be one of the, or is he going to be a continual person on there? I hope so. That's up to Tim. You know, Tim's a busy guy. So we like to get his help whenever it's available. And that was really the main idea when I started this, that I was going to have to put a team together. I couldn't do all the reporting. And instead of, you know, because one, I don't have the money to pay his staff. It's two, let's go find the influencers that are in the game that really know what they're talking about. And so that's that led me to talking with Tim, you know, to get that medical perspective. And then started talking with J.D. Laritzen, the Leafly lawyer, getting the legal perspective. We have Robert Hill with Hill Family Farm. He's doing he's he's a hemp grower here locally and he's doing all our hemp grow hacks. And that's one of the fun things we get to do at Salt Lake City. We don't have to talk about tomatoes anymore. We get to talk about hemp. And uh, again, 
going back to Moonlight Garden Supply, it'd probably blow your mind how many how many people are growing their own medicine here in the state using four by four tents. And, you know, they're not out trying to make money, you know, so I don't want to cast a horrible light on it. You know, it is illegal, but they're they're just trying to supply their own goods. And in my opinion, I don't have again, it's against the law here in Utah, but if you're willing to take that risk, you know. Oh man, I got an email today from one of my patients talking about that same thing, growing your own. Yeah. And, you know, sent me a picture of some, some uh, plants that are growing in the, <laughs> in the, the, the off the side yard. Yeah. You know? And man, it's, it's just a matter for, for this individual, it's a matter of cost and you know, that this, this person goes through quite a bit of product a month and right. can't afford, you know, I mean, they can't afford two ounces of flour a month at 400 bucks an ounce. No. So that's just not, that's just not feasible. Even on, even on federally, uh, federally funded unemployment. Right. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not going to work. No, no, not even with that extra 600 bucks a week, you know, and that's the tough thing with Utah medical cannabis being in its infancy is right now prices are out of whack and if you're familiar with the game and it's starting up in other states, this is this is old shoe. This is what happens when you have a new medical program or a new rec program. You have huge lines outside the front doors and you're paying outrageous prices to get product. And it's right now because there's we're in this weird gray area where things are growing and we don't have supply and a lot of stuff that are that are affecting this, but Again, if you're familiar, all these mature and, and prices do come down and patients' needs are come first, you know, I think in the long run, the cream will rise. Sure. Just to give you guys a little update, the uh, they emailed us today, the Department of Health has 4,000, uh, let's see, 4,104 medical cannabis card holders in the state. As of today, 324 qualified medical providers so a lot more providers than I thought we were going to be in the game. And, you know, I think still a lot of them don't want their names published. Right. In fact, if you go through the list on the state website, I would, I'd venture that, you know, a good 25, 30% aren't on there, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I mean, that's, that's okay. Well, it, I guess it, if they want to do this privately. It, yeah. You know, and it's, I'm trying to think of how to touch that, but uh, right now it's just when you have it, a substance one, you know, a legal drug on the federal level, but it's legally state, you know, I can understand your perspective from a doctor or at least a doctor's perspective, not wanting to put their, their license at risk, you know, for something that is in the air. And then there's also those that just don't want to be tied with cannabis. And if they are, you know, those that are leaving their names off because they don't want those in the public to know that's fine too. I have some journalists that approach me in working for Salt Lake City and they want to use pen names because they don't want their their fellows to know they're writing for Salt Lake City. And frankly, I Wow. I that in my opinion, you know, I'm putting my name out there and I expect my writers to as well, because one, it adds to our validity of what we stand for if we're putting our names behind it. If we're hiding behind names, you know like high times used to do back in the day, it means we're hiding from the law, you know, and as a patient here in Utah, that's probably number one thing that I appreciate most now is I don't feel like I'm breaking the law when I consume, you know, that's the first time in my life, you know, other than traveling out of state. It is a pretty wonderful feeling, right? It's almost like a drug in its own, you know, 
the uh, the level of anxiety that it, it relieves and uh, just knowing that, uh, well, a friend of mine were talking at the dispensary yesterday when they started drive through at Perfect Earth. He was talking about really being paranoid when he consumes too much and the discussion went down on whether or not that paranoia would be around if things were legal. You know, if you grew up with cannabis that being legal, would you be prone to paranoia? You know, like we were growing up. Right. THC does induce paranoia in a regard, but I don't know. It was just a topic we had. And I think people are the next generations to come will get to experience that. You know, it's, it's been interesting, you know, I first got in, introduced to cannabis, you know, 20 plus years ago, and it's just such an interesting game today versus 20 years ago where, I mean, you wouldn't even wear a shirt with a pot leaf on it 20 years ago. Oh. You just didn't do that. I mean, no, there's no way uh-huh. you would. And now it's, it's common. It's what you do. I mean, you, you could talk about it without worrying that just talking about it puts a flag on you. You know, oh, yeah, even when you go to Colorado or Nevada now and people are just rolling around smoking cannabis in public and openly doing it and not batting an eye when they do it. And 10 years ago, if you would have told me that was going to be going down, I would have laughed and probably asked yeah. you to share what you were smoking. <laughs> Where would you like to see this go, man? Where would you do you have like an end goal with Salt Lake City? It's tough to say that now, especially as the past couple of months went down, because I thought I had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do. And then Corona hit and it it changed everything. But I think it's changed a lot of the things for the better. You know, one, we've developed our tech side a little bit more than we would have from the get go, building the website, hopefully having an app come out soon, which, you know, that can be utilized in so many different ways, a lot like uh, uh, weed maps letting people know where certain CBD products are available, where certain dispensaries are as they start opening, yada, yada. But to answer your question, you know, I'll be satisfied when I have a team of reporters for each section covering community journalism here locally. Again, covering medical cannabis, but also covering bringing back community journalism that we lost from our our Gannett-owned newspaper, you know, without naming names right there. You know, we see a lot of AP stories, but we do not see local journalism anymore. And if you do, you have to search out. You have to read, you know, City Weekly, Utah Stories, Slug Magazine. You know, you have to do your research to find this news, and it shouldn't be that hard. And really, the idea with Salt Lake City, when I started thinking about this, is democratic change doesn't start without public discussion. And in my opinion, media is required to start that public discussion. And if media is not supplying that content, we need new media. And again, without naming names, I'm a journalist. I've worked in the industry for, you know, let's just say since 2005. And I've seen the industry change and go into a direction that I didn't sign up for, you know, when I was a young kid. We'll, we'll leave it at that. You can start talking about fake news. But in my opinion, everything's been corporatized. And if you read a story now in local media, it means somebody paid for it, probably. And even in the magazines that you buy, and content isn't free. And in my opinion, that's the one thing that should be free to the people is information. And so you can never expect to pay for Salt Lake City. You can never expect to be required a membership to read the news on our website. It's going to be free. 
but again, you know, starting this, it, it gives a lot of my friends here in the state that are in the industry a soapbox that they can stand on where before they, they were relying on social media alone, kind of like we are now. But people are learning about the website. And again, watching things online, the analytics, it's fun seeing that audience grow every day. But we need people to be telling their friends and family about us for it to continue, you know, until, again, the world turns back on. You bring up a good point with with this, you know, discussion about cannabis and how in March we were all getting excited about uh, Salt Lake City releasing in, in April and UCAN and all these events. And then the world shut down and, and the media machine just makes us like the only thing we see is coronavirus. And I don't want to discount that that is a very important subject and we all should be paying attention because it's a global issue. And, and you know, I mean, I work at a hospital, so I, I know it's, it can be, it could be a big deal, but at some point, you know, we've got to start talking about what's going on outside of coronavirus. Do you think, and, and I don't know when, I, I, I guess I don't know when that is going to be or when we should. Um, I don't want to be the person who's like, yeah, let's not talk about it because, because it's important. When do you see or have you seen that we're starting to get through that media machine and starting to talk about other things? Or do you think that's even appropriate? I think it's very appropriate. And I, I have started to see it happen. But you're right, Tim. Everything's been focused on corona and, and health and in the government politics primarily right now. It's crazy how much that's getting tied into it. But, uh, you know, everything else kind of fell off. When Perfect Earth opened in South Ogden, my team showed up, you know, 30 minutes before the doors opened, started talking with patients, and I had enough time to get in line myself and buy products um, inside. And as I'm walking out the door, that's when, you know, the other local news was showing up, other broadcast teams, um, Ogden's newspaper and you know, I thought to myself, hell, you know, this is why we're here and because people aren't giving it the fair shake. But what excites me is cannabis isn't alone. You know, there's there's a lot of topics here in the state that I think are getting swept underneath the rug. And I get the luxury of starting a magazine that hopefully brings on a lot of followers because it has the cannabis focus. But we get to trick them with treat you know, showing them, you know, real community journalism that they might not have expected to see on a cannabis website, you know, again, uh, having your perspective on Prop 3 and the healthcare system. And there's a lot of different propositions that us voters kind of got left out of the loop on. And cannabis is just a big, big one. in you know, my point of view, let's say one of our listeners wanted to submit something to the website. Is that possible, Cole? Yeah, you know, my email is colefulmer at saltbakecity.com. And you can find that on our website, on our Facebook, Instagram page. And I just had a veteran here locally here in Salt Lake City. Uh, um, I won't throw out his whole name yet, but we'll probably dish out his article. But he's a veteran here in the state that's taking advantage of medical cannabis and wanted to tell me his story. And he also wanted to shout out Dragonfly Wellness for opening their drive through on Monday for uh, veterans on Memorial Day. And he was one of those veterans that was able to partake on that. And in his article that he wrote, he, he told me about the 30 to two hour waits that he was getting used to. And it was nice on Memorial Day to roll through and pick up his supplies within minutes. And it, it made him feel special, you know, and it's cool how, you know, those little things go a long ways here in the community. And 
that's one thing, you know, to give dragonfly some love is they, they're really here for patients first, you know, not profits first, the other way around, which you'd probably expect most people in the cannabis business to operate, you know, but they know just as well as I do that there's no money to be made in medical cannabis right now. So if you're trying to make money, you're, you're just, you're wasting your time, you know, and so dragonflies here, they're, they're trying the best they can. And frankly, they're supplying almost a whole state with the help of perfect earth and true north and those guys up there who I got to throw them some love too. They've been killing it as well. Now I know what I wanted to ask you. You, in the beginning, you were mentioning originally you were going to publish this into an actual physical magazine. Yes. Now why, I mean, 2020, do you really think you need to make a magazine? Right. You know, and even talking with somebody familiar with the game, if anybody else were to come to me and say, Hey, I'm going to start a print magazine. Cole, what do you think? I would tell them you were crazy. Like, one, there's no ROI in it. Um, and two, who's doing print anymore? But I saw this actually surviving and actually thriving here in the state at first, you know, being a monthly magazine, something that people would see out at the bars at their local pharmacy, you know, local shops, you name it, just like you see City Weekly and other print magazines. But there was that side of me too, one the hippie of me. I, we we planned on printing off 25,000 copies to pass out at Utah can and at least for the month of April for 420 2020 month you know it disgusted me a little bit to know how much of that paper was not going to be recycled how much we were just going to have it was going to turn into another job picking it up and so that's again how we've evolved is websites coming first right now and we're bringing you daily digital content at least I am right now with my small team of less than five people. Again, that's why we want to grow. So it's not going to be so scattered, but uh, we're focusing on the digital daily. So when you wake up every morning, you can expect to see a new cannabis green scene story on your Facebook thread or on Instagram, which would lead you eventually to our website. It's just been really tough right now. Uh, right before we started this podcast, I was just finishing up an article. And when we get done, I'll, I'll have to publish that to our website tonight and and schedule the Facebook post for the next morning. And I'll probably get done around midnight, but that's cool. That's what I've been doing for the past six months now, it seems like. And uh, I've really enjoyed the lifestyle I've created for myself. Corona's made it kind of strange. My living room's turned into a new, it turned into a newsroom overnight. But uh, I think it'll lead for a fun story here in years to come, <laughs> born during COVID. You mentioned uh, just a, a few minutes ago about like four twenty twenty, right? Like, I feel like we got cheated out of like the best month ever, man. Well, like, you can look at it that insane. way, you know, because one, all the hangout sessions, all the events that were going to go down, we had legal cannabis in Utah for the first time ever, you know, and yeah. we'll, we'll be able to revisit those, those big events. And that's what I look forward to when the world turns back on is all the redos we'll get to do. Dragonfly, Nareth, they're talking about doing a redo 420 event when we can. Um, talking with other people in the community. Hopefully, Reggae Rise Up will still be a thing. We're working on an article right now to let people know about the various events here that take place in summer summer months here in Utah that we'll let them know if they've been rescheduled, um, what their plans are, at least give them an update. Because I, I know that since things have been turning on a little bit here in the state, people are getting itchy feet. <laughs> Man, you just bring up like these events that we've missed and then you you talk about the events that potentially would have been uh, done in the summer. Uh, and you know what? I just draw a blank now. 
I, am I to the point now where I just, I'm like, oh, events in the summer. Yeah. That, that I just can't even think about that. that you know, like it's, it's so far away from my reality right now mm-hmm. that I don't even know what it would look like to have a, a, you know, to go to a concert or to go to a big event that Dragonfly had where everybody was in the parking lot and it was like 420. And I mean, I'm like, what is that like? I think it would be weird too, because I'm even watching television or movies at night with my fiance and people will be out in social settings and touching their face and leaning on each other. And, and I'm leaning back in my chair going, Oh man, what are they exactly. doing? <laughs> That's not allowed. And so, yeah, it's weird how in two months things have kind of, I don't want to say change cause that sounds scary, but I think what, what's really setting it is, is we don't know when it's going to turn back on. And as the day. Oh no. And I don't think scary thing, you know, it's like, ah, I don't even know what to think. There's no planning. There's I just no point to get married I next month. And I, I think we're going to have to push that back mostly because we're both transplants here in the state. Um, a lot of out of state visitors and a lot of elderly people too. you know, our grandparents that I don't want them traveling across the country right now. And I've heard of people getting married here in the state where all the attendees are sitting in their cars in the parking lot, watching the two get married off in the distance. And I don't want to be that couple. <laughs> I don't want to remember <laughs> that day that way. Like, come on. I think from a healthcare perspective too, I mean, I see this lasting, I, I just, I think I see this lasting a lot longer. Yeah. Not that, not that we're not going to go out to eat or we're not going to be able to go do things, but that this, you know, this lack of touching and hugging yeah. and the physical contact lately, I've been really missing shaking people's hands in the office. Yeah. And I have a lot of patients who want to get up and give me a hug, like in January and February when they were there. and. It's sad. Do you want a hug, Tim? Can I give you a yeah, hug? Yeah. Can you give me a hug? Through the, a hug. I mean, like my son now has this, you know, he's like virtual hug. And that's what he does to to uh, my to my parents. You know, he'll be like, ah, oh, virtual hug. And he just reaches his arms around himself. People aren't even making eye contact in the grocery store. And it's just a weird time. You know, it's taking a lot yeah. of the uh, being a person out of being a person. <laughs> I don't know. And see, here we are. Talking about, we have a cannabis podcast and we are, we're just like everybody else. We've been trained by the machine, man, to, to talk about COVID and to accept the reality that's been given to us, regardless of what's true. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not or not, you know, conspiracy theorist, whatever you are, right? we are, we are becoming what we have been. Right. And we were sitting there just bringing it up and we fell into our own trap. And here we are talking about COVID when I just want to talk about cannabis. (laughs) Well, you brought up the anxiety thing before, and you know what I was going to say, and to bring us back online is, you know, anxiety isn't a qualifying condition in Utah, but you make a really good point, Cole, when you talk about the anxiety of smoking weed or the anxiety of consuming medicine like medical cannabis and, and having your card or being legal eliminates that anxiety. So in a sense, what you're saying is anxiety is a qualifying condition because you get rid of your anxiety by having legal access. Right. You do. And that's how I felt it. And I know others have to be feeling it the same way. And I have a lot of friends, especially younger friends talking with Mario, Mario Wana up in a Oh my gosh, that guy. Everybody knows that guy. He was asking me the other day, he's like, Cole, why why are all the the patients that come through South Ogden's location, you know, 40 or 
or above. And, you know, I had to sit back and think about it a little bit. And there's a couple of different different reasons, I think, why. But the younger population just doesn't have the money to, one, go get their card, maybe. You know, when I was 21, I didn't have 20, 250 extra dollars to go visit the QMP, follow through, register with the state, so on and so forth. But they're used to the black market. But as an adult, I can really see the benefits of doing things illegally, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially after living my 20s, you know, even my early 30s, you know, the school of hard hard knocks, we'll put it that way. But uh, I like doing things legally now, and that's what excites me about this. But I think that's why it, where a lot of our patients are coming from. You brought up the numbers, and, you know, the numbers really intrigue me right now with the amount of cards that we have and the amount that the state is predicting we'll have by the end of the state or the end of the year, I mean. One, we didn't take into account the the recommendation letters and having those available. Yeah, so Utah has put out a, uh, a report on that, and you can dig through. I think if you dig through the Department of Health website, I've read a report that there are thousands, um, more, more than a thousand uh, letters that are out there that are being used. A couple of weeks ago, the... Uh, the pharmacies were needed to report how many defense letters they had registered at their locations. And talking with Nareth, they had about 1,500 at the time. Perfect Earth had just started up, so I think they were a little bit less than that. But again, you, you brought up we have 4,000 cards. The state was projecting, and I think they still are, that we were only going to have 10,000 patients by the end of the year. You know, And I think we'll have actual cards which doesn't entail how many defense letters. So at Salt Lake City, three months really leading into that, we're going to start reminding people you need to register with the state or you're no longer going to be recognized as a patient in the state. And I think that's going to throw a lot of people off. Well, it's going to be a real big uh, issue because you're going to have, you know, two or 3,000 people on the low end, probably that will have these letters. And there's going to be a lot of those people who want their QMP to just turn it over to a six month card, right. you know, for free, but that's not how medicine really works. I mean, that's not how our malpractice works or the law works. That is going to be, I and you know, maybe that'll be one of the columns that I write in the, right. in the fall, you know, September, October, kind of explaining that this is, this is a little, it's a little more nuanced than just, you know, turning it on and hey, you've got another six months. Yep. And even though we're getting through the initial confusion, you know, it kind of scares me the amount of confusion we're going to run into again. And why I wanted to start Salt Lake City is I want to see this program succeed in the state. And I'm not out to, you know, put out fake news or, you know, push a topic that I, I love without the facts behind it. You know, so again, being a journalist, people can expect that from us. But Again, we're we're rooting for this to succeed. You know, we're out to help Dragonfly do, you know, as well as they can. Um, same with every other dispensary as they open up in the state. Um, but patients come first. We get to have a lot of fun. My staff and I, if we hold true to educating Utah residents about you know this new medicine, it, it allows us to have a lot of fun <laughs> as well. Well, I love what you're doing, man. I think you're doing a great job. I mean, it's a beautiful website. Yeah, I really like the the website. Looks great. The writing is really good, so I appreciate that. No, and, I, and that's, it's good to hear that feedback because, again, without being able to go out in public, 
and talk with people, you know, we want to get the criticism too. We want to know what we're leaving out. We want to know, you know, who else we should be talking to right now. You know, I don't want to throw out excuses right now, but we've, we've got really four people trying to put out a, <laughs> a daily, uh, a daily magazine, if you want to put it that way. And we're just short staffed right now. And Corona's held us up in that regard too, where I'm not able to recruit staff. I was excited to offer journalism students at the university of Utah, cannabis reporter positions. If somebody were to approach me back in college and offered me that job, I, I would have gone crazy. So <laughs> we'd like to have a lot of fun with this. It's uh but again, we, we wouldn't be doing nearly as well as we would if we didn't have people like Tim helping out, J.D. Laritzen again, people that are actually working in this industry and, again, making sure that it, it survives. It, it goes a long ways. Anything else you want to ask him, Tim, or should we get this episode wrapped up? No, or, I think we or, should. Uh, we could wrap it up. I'm going to um, – Cole, I'm, I'll put something – my next uh, piece of writing is going to be actually uh, – and, and you could – you could put it out through you, but it's basically a little more technical. Yeah. And that is uh, based on the 90 day renewal, mm -hmm. the process of this 90 day renewal. Cause there's a ton of people right now who need a little more um, just basically a step-by-step -step on that and how to do that, how that works, why it exists, maybe. You know, and it, it might get frustrating for some of our audience, but I think it's important to beat that dead horse as much as we can, you know, letting people know because it, it's a tricky process if you're in, unfamiliar and if you go to the state website, uh, it, it can get confusing depending on how you learn, how you absorb information. It's a lot like going to the DMV, in my opinion, and I've been frustrated at the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk again and I'll put that, I'll try put that together. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, yeah, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and talk about Salt Lake City again. It's been hard just to spread the word and I appreciate you guys, you know, letting me, let me shout it out. Well, hopefully, you know, a few of our listeners, you know, we don't have the biggest audience yet either. You know, we're, we're, we're still new ourselves. So hopefully some of them come over and, and discover how awesome your website, give the website address. I mean, obviously yeah. it's, it's pretty easy. com. you know, pretty straightforward. Our Facebook, Salt Lake City, Instagram, same, at Salt Lake City, at Salt Lake City. That's pretty straightforward. Nobody claimed that name, but I, I don't know. I've been watching you guys. Again, you guys are new, but we're, we're right behind you when it comes to doing these Zoom interviews and bringing Q&As and, I can't thank you enough for letting me, you know, stand on the sidelines a lot like the cannabis industry and watch how it's done, you know, and setting the bar high, especially with the uh, I am Salt Lake. You know, I really appreciate you letting us spam on your page, too, and letting us post our stories. That's the only way that I could get those stories out is I wake up in the morning and I post them as as many places as I can. And sometimes it's respected. Well, sometimes it isn't. Well, and, and, and that's actually, I mean, speaking of that, Cole, actually with that I Am Salt Lake community, uh, it's been pretty fun with what I built up and I'm trying to make that cannabis friendly, right? Yeah. Like obviously it's, 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 it fits the crowd. Well, I mean, obviously eventually maybe one day we'll have our own Facebook group, right, Tim, you know, Utah yeah, Weeds Facebook group, right? but, uh, and t-shirts. I need that t-shirt. Yeah. We, we, we do need to get some shirts made up, Tim. That would be fun. But, um. Trying to think what else, Tim, how, how you, how can listeners get a hold of you? Tim Pickett. Oh yeah. Tim Pickett, uh, utahmarijuana.org. I mean, that's the, that's the place to get info on 
like medical cannabis from a patient perspective. Uh, all of our, uh, we're catching up with the podcast from a transcriptions, from the uh, transcriptions. They're all transcribed there. So if you want to read them, you can go there and do that. We're bringing up right now pages on different conditions and how conditions can be helped by medical cannabis. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you can also call my office, 801-851-5554. Uh, my wonderful team uh, has been helping people navigate the qualifications and uh, the EVS system. And I mean, they're they're just here to walk people through. So, you know, Tim, and you did a great job with that website because I refer probably more people to your website than the state's website to gather a lot of this information. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I want to make it a little more user-friendly than the state's website because I use the state's website and uh, <laughs> I was looking at it today and it's, yeah, it's some, it's very, very technical. Yeah, that's the conversation. So hopefully it's, it's right? a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I am saltlake.com. Like we were mentioning, I am Salt Lake community. Go go join that community too. And if you have any cannabis related things, feel free to post them in there, events or or anything you want to get the word out. Because like we were mentioning in the beginning, I know it's hard to get the word out about things because you don't have the advertising outlets. Right. And that's where I think this podcast comes in so well. So I am Salt Lake community. I am saltlake.com though is uh, my main podcast I do. Um, go check it out. There's some fun interviews on there. Tim is episode 420. So I'm going to get people to go, right. go check out that episode that are listening. So otherwise get a hold of Tim or myself. If you want to come on this podcast, uh, leave us a review in, in iTunes so we could hear what you think of the show. I'm trying to think what else we need to tell people, Tim, anything else? I, I mean, if they want to, if, if they're I mean, interested in getting a card, they can, they can get a hold of you or go to utahmarijuana.org, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and we're going to do a little bit of, uh, we might do a little bit of house, uh, housekeeping, when people ask questions um, about medical cannabis and things like that, I want to um, want to make sure that we address people's questions specifically. Actually, was there was some questions from Brittany Brittany Hemingway? Yes. Should we address Brittany. those questions now, or should we do that on another that's great, episode? That's a great question. We may be able to let Cole go, and yeah. then we could record a little bit of that. Uh, well, so the, well, the first question is, is thank you for the podcast. It's been very informative, interesting. We don't need to, that's, that's more of a compliment, right? Uh, persistent nausea is, is that a, is that a qualifying condition? Nausea? Oh yeah, absolutely. Persistent okay. nausea reason, is a qualifying condition in Utah. So that's, she, she that wants seems to know, like easy housekeeping. Yeah. What kind of nausea and the length of time qualifies as persistent? So that's, that's kind of that tough one, isn't it? Ah, yeah. So that's going to be up to both the patient and the provider. And this is, we talk about this all the time, but this is where cannabis is supposed to give control back to the patient, right? Like for generations, the providers have been dictating, basically they, they hear the story and then they decide what is persistent. They make the definition and then they make the treatment. And with cannabis, it, it's designed to be a little different, right? It's a patient provider communication and we decide as a team, right? The patient and me get to decide, is this persistent? Does it affect your life? Does it affect your ability to eat the food that you want to eat or do the things you want to do? And so persistent is going to be different for everybody. But if it's affecting your life uh, day to day or week to week, and this is recurring, 
It, it happens more than once, or you can trigger it. You know when it's going to happen. That's persistent. And that's, yeah. uh, that's the qualifying condition. And nausea is one of the top three uh, things that cannabis has been studied. There's just conclusive evidence that uh, persistent nausea can be treated with medical cannabis uh, in patients. No, cannabis is great for nausea. I, I mean, can, it's, <laughs> I'll, it's I'll, I'll attest to that. I mean, right. Uh, the the last question here, and uh, this could be an interesting topic to get in even on a separate episode, is how does pregnancy factor into all this? I know cannabis is a somewhat tough business because of the lack of formal research. What research, if any, has been done regarding use during pregnancy indoor breastfeeding for that matter? I did some research on this today because I knew we were going to potentially discuss this question. So the reason we don't do research on cannabis and pregnant women and breastfeeding women is if we don't know the, the outcome, then we're definitely not going to put these women into, like, into some type of harm's way, right? Medicines do no harm first, and we don't know the outcome, so we're not going to do studies. We, do not do very, we don't do very many studies on pregnant women or breastfeeding women, breastfeeding babies, what we do is we ask women, um, we ask women who, like in these surveys, and so we do different types of research. We we find that there's there's some studies that say, you know, upwards of twenty to thirty percent of pregnant women may use cannabis sometime during their pregnancy, depending on the groups you ask. So there are certainly women who are using cannabis for nausea during pregnancy or for various reasons. Uh, reasons, but the studies that I read today were were in women that had lower birth weight children. Right, Chil their their babies were lighter, and we know that heavier babies tend to be healthier uh, to a certain extent. So we want our babies to be fat and healthy, right? Chubby little babies, and we and we found that there's some evidence to suggest that heavy cannabis use during pregnancy may increase the risk of a lighter weight baby, a low birth weight baby. So we don't want to do that. So the problem with that study and the studies in general in those populations is that they were also smoking tobacco. And we'll, well, we already know that smoking tobacco and nicotine, that's, a, that's pretty negative. So once you take that into consideration, then the evidence is now mixed. Now you can't tell. So the bottom line is we just don't know. But the, the best meta-analysis that I read today was that there's no, statistical, there's no statistically significant data to show that, that uh, these kids are having negative side effects uh, from some minimal cannabis use. Now, of course, this is not medical advice, right? We've been pretty clear on the podcast that I, I don't recommend pregnant women use cannabis. I think that that is a discussion for you and your medical provider. I think that there are other medications that may be safer than cannabis first line, but there is mixed evidence on whether or not those other medications are harmful too and whether cannabis is there. So what I'm saying is that it's, it's just confusing. And so there's going to be some women who are going to listen to what I say and, and they're going to say, well, absolutely, let's not use cannabis while I'm pregnant or breastfeeding because it does get into the breast milk. But there's going to be others who say, well, yeah, see, there's no, there's no evidence that it harms the babies. 
because I don't smoke tobacco and I don't use other illicit drugs. So I'm going to go ahead and smoke weed a little bit when I'm pregnant. I, I don't know the answer for, for each individual woman. And I know this doesn't answer her question very well, but if she's already using cannabis, hopefully she can sleep at night um, with, with her decision. And she's honest with her medical provider about that choice. And so I would encourage like women who are going to use cannabis anyway, talk to your provider about it, be open and honest, because that's really the only way that makes it safer just in and of itself to talk about it. Absolutely. And and I mean, shoot, who knows, maybe somebody listening had a pregnancy and they used cannabis. Maybe they'd be willing to come on the show. I don't know. I, I don't know that again, that could be a, that could be a, an interesting subject. It also could be very touchy because I don't know what kind of legalities come in, come into play with pregnancy and, and, and whatnot using cannabis. Right. I think that in those cases, I know the state's, um, the state's position is that it is absolutely not, uh, not something we are allowed to recommend. In fact, the state's position is that we need to educate women of childbearing age who could become pregnant that if they do become pregnant or if they're thinking about becoming pregnant, they should not be using cannabis in any form. And that is simply because we, I I mean, I think we would agree that the least amount or the less amount of foreign substances that you're putting in your body during pregnancy, the better, right? You want to be eating fruits and vegetables and organically grown whatever it is. Um, Sure. And that's, that's what is best. And that's what's ideal, but that isn't the case for everybody. A lot of uh, women have really bad nausea. And I mean, we do know, I mean, cannabis works great for nausea. So I hope that the studies, I hope that we find more data. We're not going to do more studies. I know we're not going to do studies on pregnant women, but I know we're going to continue to ask women. And there has been an increase, like for instance, in Colorado, there's an increase in cannabis use amongst pregnant women because cannabis is more available. So that's going to give us more data. That's that alone is going to help us find out the truth. And we need, this is where, um, like somebody like Cole fits in because we can't, the, the media machine will tell us one way or the other, whatever they like to, to say, and we are going to have to get to the bottom of, of what's the truth. Uh, so hopefully, you know, in the long run, we just get more data. And I'm excited. I'm excited once, especially once we can get some real testing done on cannabis and not that we can't now, but you know what I mean? When things start opening up federally. Right. When you decriminalize it federally and you, um, you're able to ask people about their use and they're not scared to tell you the truth, right? They're still scared to tell you the truth. Even now that it's legal in Utah, it's legal in what, 33 States. I mean, we're still scared. If the FBI comes to my door and asks me a bunch of questions about weed, I'm going to really think twice about uh, answering those questions truthfully. I, th- I think you gave a great answer, though. Thank you, Brittany, for uh, submitting those questions. And uh, hopefully we can continue to get more questions. Feel free to submit them to Tim or myself or through our Facebook. Um, yeah, and I'm very happy to. This is a, these are great because it gives me an opportunity to go research a topic. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm reading all the time, but I'll read whatever you know, I'll research whatever topic the listener, the listeners really want yeah. because I'm interested in all of it. So I might as well be helping somebody, you know, on yeah. my, on my path to learn more. I'm well, and I wanted to throw a curveball at you. Like does cannabis entail, um, CBD? 
for pregnant women? Yeah, so we don't study CBD in pregnant women for the same reason. It's it's essentially the same argument no matter what. I mean, do you want me to give your do you want me to give your fiance who's pregnant uh, you know, 2 months pregnant uh, 1500 milligrams of CBD twice a day. Nah, I'm not going to risk I'm it. I'm just not going to risk it. You know, right. in my mind's yeah, eye, just, I, I'd like to believe that it would do some good, you know, cause you're saturating your endocannabinoid system and it's good for all mammals. Right. If you want to just leave it at that, but you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. And the unknown is enough to just, I think as a society, we've made a good decision from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. We just, we don't know. So we're not going to, we're not going to risk it. We don't put, you know, there's some other little studies that I was reading today about the pregnancy and the breastfeeding. And there's a study in, I think it's Germany of six-year-old kids who were exposed to cannabis in utero and they did some intelligence tests on them. And the the evidence is mixed, but the argument was that are we, are we reducing, like we're hindering their brain development? Yeah. By introducing this, uh, by overloading the endocannabinoid system with phytocannabinoids. Yeah. I mean, now you've got me down the rabbit hole. And so yeah. I, I just, I got to, I got to stop. <laughs> Let's just talk about, you know, pain and, and the stuff that. No, we, but Chris was right. Once it's federally legal and the weed nerds can start sharing their science back and forth, which we're not able to do now, it's going to be completely different conversations than we're having now. Yeah, yes. Then the world. FBI comes to my door and they want a card. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're like Tim, hook me up. Anyway, let's get this episode right. wrapped up. Saltbakecity.com. Thank you again, Cole, for coming and doing the podcast. Go check out saltbakecity.com and uh, send Cole a message. Say you heard him on this podcast, right? Say, hey, I heard you, man. You you did great. So, yeah. I'd pre- yeah. Any anyway. feedback, it would be great right now. We're just starting. So anything, it's easy to make changes now. Ha, 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 ha.